0: Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the BM cast. Not a podcast that is really feeling the FOMO from not being able to go to Command Fest Richmond, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the performative asshole herself, Emma. How are you doing today? I didn't read that before I started. <laughs> We're keeping this in right yeah 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 100 percent. Cool. okay
1: yeah i'm doing good thanks how are
0: you <laughs> I'm, I'm good for for reference by the way dear listeners uh emma chooses her own name every week so those were her words
1: <laughs> well i'd reference uh, something that happened early in the week won't name names, obviously, but mm-hmm. there was some discourse in the Twitter community. But either yeah. way, yes, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm much better now, thank you. I was uh, pretty unwell for the second half of the week, so I'm mm-hmm. just playing catch up with my life right now. In terms of content this week, I covered the Mind Flayers commander preconstructed deck, the one from Battles for Baldur's Gate, the blue black oh, one.
0: Oh, Mind Flayers.
1: Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> yep. So I just look at all the overall value, uh, like affordable upgrades, like fifty dollar to a hundred dollars sort of upgrades. And then this week for modern on a budget, I look at is it in Twiddle Storm, which is something oh. that you quite like, Scott. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, mm. So you can check those out on TCG Player now. Also, I received an awesome care package from the lovely folks at Quiver Time who sent me a bunch of sleeves, deck boxes, and one of their very awesome carry cases. Oh yeah. Now's the rule to just add a load of stickers on it, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we we, need to get some we should probably get some stickers, right?
1: Yeah, we've got to get some BMcast hmm. stickers. I'll yeah. I'll sort that out. <laughs> As I felt better this weekend, I, I wanted to be a little bit social, so I attended a couple of the Baldur's Gate pre releases at my local, uh, mm. at MLGS. Both of these were draft, which I really enjoyed. I liked the fact it wasn't yeah. sealed, it seemed really fun. On, so yesterday we record on a Sunday. So yesterday, which would be mm-hmm. a Saturday, I played Minthar the Soul, which is the black-white experience counter. Whenever a permanent play, you put an experience counter and it grows your board. Yeah. Uh, so I just managed to do a load of like blink stuff. Had a load of treasures. I had like two Gate Colossus with like six gates in my deck, oh. so that seemed fun. Love it. <laughs> and then today. I drafted a Lozan Dragon's Legacy deck, which is the it Dragon that deals damage whenever you cast a dragon spell yeah. or an adventure spell. So that was fun too. And then I just opened a bunch of good stuff just through that draft. So I opened a Tasha, which I want to build a deck over, and a Displacer Kitten, and an Archivist of Ogma for Quintorius as well. Yeah. Um yeah, that's pretty much it from me. I've just been mm. catching up, playing some pre-releases. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. I was also at a Commander Legends pre-release yesterday. I had... A blast frankly it was easily my favorite pre-release to date it's just so much fun so so much fun it like i feel like the commander of legends drafts i didn't get to draft the first one maybe it was the same but there's just something about the the pre-release air and you know nobody really knows what they're doing they're kind of just jamming a bunch of stuff together they don't know what's going on mixing that with a draft and then four players just like having a go at each other it's just great fits perfectly i think it's it's kind of how i want to do all pre-releases going forward it doesn't matter the set it's like oh yeah, four player commander let's go
1: <laughs> feels really i think the thing i appreciated about it it just felt really low effort like i get to do a draft mm. i get to open some boosters it's commander yeah. legends it's going to be a bit of fun and um, you get to play with your friends and it's not always about winning because it's commander and it's a bit yeah. more casual um i saw yeah. a load of at least at my lgs i saw a bunch of players who just normally play like fnms and do tournaments they mm. even came in and played because they just wanted a bit of fun and i realized no one drafted the first commander legends because it was during covid and during the pandemic yeah Yeah. this is our first real experience for everyone so
0: Mm. yeah from my pre-release i drafted the council of four as my commander nice very funny uh it's actually significantly better than people think just fyi and i made like a blue white flicker deck so Lots of ETB draw a card and that kind of thing. Does that mirror as well, the four mana colourless mirror? That is a lot of fun. I played with that. Every time I played a creature it went under the mirror and then every time someone else played a creature, it then went under the mirror and gave me back my creature. It was very silly. Someone
1: in our pod uh, on the Saturday had two of them in their deck. Mm. So it's just like ugh.
0: Yeah, they're bananas. (laughs) I love it. But I got to go and hang out at the pre release with my great friend Tara, which was great. And we got to play together in the pod as well, along with a few other lovely folks, including Ferret, who is one of the members of the BMcast Discord. So, hello, Ferret. Good game. And (laughs) yeah, it was just fantastic. Honestly, 10 out of 10. Outside of playing Magic, this week's article is my upgrade guide for the Exit from Exile Precon, the green, red, exile based, wolfy kind of thing. I cover the main aspects of the deck its strengths and how to best improve the deck for about $50 so that's live on Car Kingdom now if you're picking up that pre-con you can go check it out after the show and I also had the first episode of Risky Keeps a few days ago it was an absolute blast I had my good friend Aaron on as well as our buddy Max Makes Magic and stream guest and all-around good person Joel who is Leojpies Joel backwards uh, on Twitter (laughs) it was wild all four of us got to do something ridiculous it was honestly one of the best games I've played in a long long time. So if you missed it, the VOD is on Twitch and should be on YouTube shortly as well. So you can check that out. Twitch.tv forward slash savantir or youtube.com forward slash savantir. Like and subscribe. Smash that bell. You know the way
1: <laughs> I tell you you've done that hundreds of times before. Oh
0: stop. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so this week it is my turn for Car of the Week. So, my choice is one that I had rediscovered recently. I was working on a Calafi Auras deck for Commander and i found this and was reminded that it existed because i think a lot of people have forgotten it existed and it's fantastic honestly that is nick's lotus so four generic for a legendary artifact that enters the battlefield tapped but you tap it and choose a color to add an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion to that color so it's really really good for decks with a lot of like non-token permanents like monocolor decks not kind of thing obviously in caliphate i'm playing her who has two pips of devotion and then auras you're adding to the devotion again and all that kind of stuff so it's really really good you can also untap it in decks that run stuff like manifold key or clock of omens or corridor monitor was the thing that they used to do with it in standard that kind of thing Uh, it's really really good for decks that want to make a lot of mana and can make great use out of it so like gadwick the wizened as well there's villas broker of blood they're all just really good decks to have this as a mana rock yeah
1: it seems good i completely forgot it existed as well so right (laughs) yeah i'm like this is great i'm gonna put this my next monocolor deck
0: yep it's a good one so we are still in the middle of battle for Baldur's gate by the time you're listening to this it should be out publicly
1: this friday okay is when it's released so if you're a patron or you're listening in on a thursday it's this week
0: with that said there are still a lot of different places of content that are talking about like all of the really cool commanders all of the really cool cards all of the cool decks and stuff that you could build from it and we're not going to be different to that we're going to talk about a bunch of you know cool commanders and all that kind of thing but we're going to do it from a slightly different lens this week and that is we're going to do it from artisan commander so to those that don't know first of all artisan commander is a format that was sort of penned or attributed mostly to alex kessler from the Masters of modern podcast and it basically follows the same rules as commander except it's common and uncommon printings only so it is more of like a codified power level than an individual format if you want to learn more about codifying power levels and stuff i have an article on it just for a little plug there you know you can check that out on card kingdom (laughs) so when people first hear this about artisan they're like oh it's commons and uncommons only like it's not very strong right like surely this is the biggest misconception and it's like this with pauper and that kind of thing as well people have this weird misconception that just because it's not including the super bomby mythics and rares that it's not going to be powerful when in actual fact it, it might just be the kind of commander experience that you're looking for so it's generally speaking a little bit more competitive like it's closer to the sort of high power mindset and that kind of thing but it is a little bit grindy and a little bit more fair overall usually asterisk usually but to give an example of some cards that are legal in artisan right we have like soul ring a classic we've skull clamp like ristic study ancient tomb sylvan library ashnod's altar sensei's divining top cabal coffers like a force of will demonic tutor there's just so many ridiculous cards that are unbelievably powerful like they're all-time most powerful cards in magic easily and they're all just commons or uncommons and it's yeah. really weird
1: <laughs> yeah i get this a lot when i talk about like peasant cube which is mm. also commons and uncommons and people are like why yeah. would i play this there's no powerful stuff in it and i'm just like oh my sweet summer child there's a mm-hmm. lot of cards that you play with that you don't realize that are commons and uncommons just because they're so old um stuff like force yeah. and will and Agency 2 being good examples of that
0: yeah like imagine just like opening like a sealed pool from like kamigawa or whatever and you just get like two or three skull clamps
1: Seems
0: fine (laughs) bananas but to give an example by the way of some of the commanders that you would tend to see that are powerful and popular in artisan because a lot of people are like oh there's only uncommon legends so there can't be that many good ones or whatever so well first of all sir conrad the grim is an uncommon tatyova benthic druid also a phenomenal uncommon commander uh dina soul steeper who is seen playing like cdh and that kind of thing zada hedron grinder is like basically storm, and like most of the cards that you see in Zada decks anyway are just commons because they're just like spells that like target a creature and like draw a card or whatever. You know, it's silly. You've got like if you want to even like go wide decks like elves and stuff, Abomination of Lanowar is like a fantastic option. And if you want to do some Voltron kind of stuff, Arden and Kedis are available as well. They're uncommon legendaries from the First Commander Legends. So there are so many options. Like all of the different things are still there. Granted, you'll probably see a little bit less of like Super Friends and that kind of thing because Planeswalkers with any kind of power tend to be at Rare and Mythic. But with the exception of that, you'll see an awful lot of the same things that you'll see in Commander, but you'll see it in slightly different ways, which is kind of cool.
1: Um, So the differences between Commander and Artisan, not only is it like rarity limited, so you've only got commons and uncommons, um, the format seems to be a lot more grindy as well because you don't have yeah. these super powerful rares and mythics that can just take a game out of themselves. So you, you don't have to worry about, like Psychonic Rift is a really good example. You don't have to worry about being swept away with that. Decks tend to be a lot more fair. There's not a lot of busted comboy stuff you can do. There's fewer board wipes. So mm-hmm. a lot of games are solved through combat. So there's a lot of creatures. Yep. And then you get more interesting cars because you kind of have to think outside the box a little bit. And also, mm. it's more affordable because it's commons and uncommons.
0: Yeah. And I think one other little plus side that I just thought of for Artisan Commander is that it's like nowhere near solved. It's like a relatively yeah. new and small quote-unquote format. Like I said, I don't personally see it as an individual format. It's more of like a, a rule zero or a power level thing, but...
1: Didn't you win a pod of Commander when everyone else had the normal decks and you played an Artisan deck? I
0: yes, I played. Yeah. <laughs> I played my uh, Sir Kara the Bold uh, Burnstorm deck, which <laughs> it sounds like the most me deck ever made, and it kind of yeah. is. It's uh, yeah, it, it's shocking. Like honestly, because you've no idea how good these kind of decks can be. Like I personally have two Artisan decks. I'll link the deck list in the show notes as well. So any patrons want to check it out, you can. There's Sarkara the Bolt, which is my Burnstorm, and then I converted my old SEO and Arden Artifact Voltron commander deck into an Artisan commander deck. And it wasn't that hard. Honestly, I just took out a couple of rares. There were very few Mythics, actually. A couple of rare equipment and that kind of thing. And it still feels really strong. It still feels really, really good, really adaptable. But it's just a bit more... it, It feels a bit more fair overall and that's still really good because if you want to play a game of like regular commander you could still just play an artisan commander deck in a regular commander pod like like you explained i did earlier and still have a fine time you know it's it's all dependent on like because you have technically like the card pool you have fewer good options you tend to try and build a little more optimally in general for artisan Which means that while you're playing optimally, you're still reduced in card pool power. So you're a bit more middle of the road when it comes to regular commander. Now, obviously, because I mentioned some ridiculous cards earlier on, there are exceptions, right? There are exceptions. If you specifically go in and go, I want to throw like 10 different combos and all sorts of ridiculous things in here, you can. Most people tend not to. Another good thing about this is it's real cheap. Like I'll yeah. tell you now. I'll open up both of my while we're on the, the chat here. I'm gonna open up both of my commander decks here. So my Sarkara the Bold deck, according to Architect, is fifty five dollars and fifty five cents, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And my Essiara and Arden is fifty six dollars and thirty seven cents. So they're cheap, pennies, not quite pennies. pennies, but close. <laughs> Much so, less
1: pennies in a commander deck brimmed with like yeah rares and mythics and
0: so forth absolutely yeah like my uh sir conrad commander deck is nearing like 300 dollars. Mm. that would probably drop to about 60 if i or 70 maybe <laughs> if i was to drop it to uh to artisan it might be a little bit more actually because i do have a cabal coffers in there but yeah yeah it's it's really good to see this kind of accessible version of the format available yeah.
1: Just because you have so many legendaries just being printed at Uncommon these days, it's just so easy to do. Like I remember a time, I think it was when the first Dominaria came out. Just That was the first time the Uncommon legendaries kind of came back that weren't Planeswalkers. So it's just really cool just to see that in every set. Yeah. I like it. Just because you have a commander doesn't mean it needs to be the most expensive thing ever or the most flashiest thing ever.
0: Exactly. And... I know that some people complain about the number of legendaries that we're seeing these days, but I think personally, the uncommon ones in particular are the best ones. And when I say best, I don't mean like mechanically most powerful or most potent, but they're usually the most interesting or they have some sort of like odd quirk or drawback or something where you have to build differently and think outside the box in order to build a cool and interesting deck. And that's so much better than like for example when people saw the the teamer Dragon uh, from Baldur's Gate and were like oh my god this is unbelievable I was like boring like you, what do you do you just you just slap big ass dragons in there and win the game like whatever you know yeah. like and, and I'm not disparaging that style of play but what I'm saying is it's so much more interesting to look at like say Corlessa the, the green blue bard that lets you like cast dragons from the top of your deck first of all you've cut red out and then also it's a tiny little creature. Hmm. Like, it's just a completely different build. And it's a completely different style on that same archetype. It's really cool. I mean, I
1: get it, because I've got Quintorius, who's yeah. an Uncommon. a I yeah. build around, Strixhaven was really good for that sort of design.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, Baldur's Gate is also really good for this design, too. We have a number of new commanders for Artisan in particular. So, at Uncommon. We have... 10 multicolor commanders, one for each color pairing, and four of each monocolor. And the monocolor ones all happen to have choose a background as well, which means that we also have backgrounds that are common and uncommon. So there are so many different options in this one set alone, and I think that's fantastic. I think we should probably cover a few of them. Let's look at some of the multicolor commanders first. Do you have any that stand out to you?
1: Yeah, so this one stood out to me because I lost to it yesterday in the (laughs) pre-release, because it was very, very good, and that's Mm -hmm. Fracas the Butcher. So for free generic, a red and a green, you get a free 4 dragon uh, peasant, that's legendary. Uh, So it comes with Trample, and whenever Fracas the Butcher attacks, double the power of each dragon you control each turn. So Mm. the easiest way to build this is just slam loads of Gruul Dragons into a deck and turn sideways. And you get, like, there's some really good ones, like Savage Vengemores are uncommon, I believe. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, and Dragon Mage as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, Dragon Mage as well. But yeah, it's just, I played against this yesterday, and they just curved out with Dragons. I played this, I'm like, cool, I I can't beat this clock, because double power is a lot. Really,
0: Double power is an awful lot, Yeah
1: and then you have stuff like hoarding dragon and then as you mentioned before we started recording like dragon's approach is a fun way to look at it as well
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, you know what if someone came up to me with track the butcher and was like this is my track the butcher dragon's approach deck in artisan i'd be like you already win like <laughs> yeah. there's no way that you can do any cooler than that you know like just being that straight up being like I'm building my deck around burning your face and tutoring for medium dragons. Like it's super as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dragons are approaching dinner, according yes. to the, the <laughs> art, you know. Yeah. One that you actually mentioned uh, earlier on that you were playing with in the pre-release, Minthara Merciless Soul, two mm. white and the black for two two elf cleric. It has Ward X, where X is the number of experience counters you have. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, you get an experience counter. So that's how you get them. And creatures you control get plus one, plus O for each experience counter you have. So there are a couple of weird and cool ways that you can approach this. First of all, permanents leaving. First thing you think of is aristocrats. You've got Blood Artist effects. You've got Ashnod's Alters, You've got all sorts of really good sack outlets and payoffs and stuff for it. So... That seems like the very obvious direction. You had mentioned before recording as well that you were looking at uh, blink ideas for it and stuff. And you mentioned like Ephemerate. And then I started looking up creatures. We saw like Grey Merchant of Asphodel, Ravenous Chupacabra. There are some really good creatures that you can flicker that will then give you experience counters. And then because of that will get bigger. So your small little blinky creatures, which are usually not that great because you're playing them for the effect. They're now starting to grow. which is fantastic
1: when i built minthara yesterday i had a load of treasure synergy so i just kept cracking Mm. treasures on my turn it just made minthara so big that essentially she had hex proof by the end of the game because no one's gonna pay like ward 15 (laughs)
0: let's be honest
1: um and then you can just run a load of tokens so stuff like lingering souls and raise the alarms and Mm. anything that creates these little x1 tokens just seems fine because you can just you're going to make more and they're going to be like make- 50, 16 ones. So you just, you know, <laughs> that's what I did yesterday. It was very yeah. fun. <laughs>
0: that's sick. Yeah.
1: It was really good. Uh, then next up is another one that I kind of like. Because you said sacrifice is pretty good in uh, art anyway. in any way. So yeah, this one, Mahadi Emporium Master, seems a pretty good one for aristocrats. So it's a free-free mm. for one generic mana, black and a red. You get a legendary cat devil that reads at the beginning of your end step create a treasure token for each creature that died this turn so yeah that just seems really good because you have stuff like mayhem devil goblin bombardment pitiless plunder deadly dispute all the all the really good sacrifice like effects are common and uncommon you got village rights as well that's that's a common and Mm. you have all this really good removal in red just it kind of builds itself a little bit but it's still pretty good a little bit
0: yeah but this is the thing like there's some strategies like this like the sacrifice strategies and that kind of thing in commander or in other formats where they might be really really powerful or sometimes top tier strategies but the great thing about them is that they're mostly built on very solid commons and uncommons that's what makes them good when you have a large collection of just good cards in that strategy like that's what makes these things and that's why i think the likes of sacrifice and stuff are so good in artisan because exactly that they're all commons and uncommons so i think mahadi is really really good because not only is the treasure really good for like ramping you for the next turn or whatever, but it's also just going every time you sack a creature, you're getting another thing that you can sack. Like with Mayhem Devil, it's absurd.
1: And also, you have Jury from the first Commander Legends, that's an uncommon, yes. that gets bigger when you sacrifice stuff as well. Um, yeah. You can run that as the commander, you can run Mahadi. It's just whatever one uses as a commander, you just put in the 99 because the value yeah. is just too
0: good. 100%. So there are a couple of the good multicolor commanders. Now, like I said earlier, there are also some commanders with choose a background on them. So we covered this last week, mm. but choose a background is basically partner, but it's not partner to make sure that the partner pool doesn't get ridiculous and out of hand. And I think it's a good design choice. The ones that have choose a background are all monocolor, which is great. They didn't make the original partner mistake and make multicolor. <laughs> yes things with partners so that you can end up with like four color piles of ridiculously powerful nonsense that you're only playing the commanders for the colors and that kind of thing uh not wild on it but the backgrounds also all have one color as well so you can have two of the same color and make a monocolor deck or you can have two of different colors and make two color decks which monocolor and two color is like my absolute ideal wheelhouse in commander anyway so you know this this feels like it was made for me and i love that so I'm going to talk about one, first of all, Renari, Merchant of Marvels. So four and a blue for a 2-4 Legendary Dragon Artificer. And she has, you may cast dragon spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. So sure, yeah, you can can pair this with like red or something and do like, is it flash dragons or something, which is like ridiculous. But the thing that I'm looking at with this is artifacts. Mm. You basically have a Shimmer Mirror in the command zone and that's really cool. I really like that a lot.
1: I remember when Shimmermere was like a huge commander staple in the artifact mm-hmm. deck just because the flash was so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still is, but like this is Sellers. a great extra yeah. thing that you can have, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, another good one that I didn't realize existed until now because I didn't see it at the pre release this weekend, mm-hmm. and that is uh, on cultist of Tiamat. So for two generic and a red, you get a 1-3 that is a legendary dragon shaman. Whenever you mm-hmm. cast a non-creature spell, target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where the X is that spell's mana value, and you also get to choose a background. This just seems fun in, like, spell-slinger decks. You can just chain yep. off a bunch of spells and then just have tokens and then pile up, like, strengthen your tokens. You can just have this one big dragon. Like It, mm-hmm. it, it rewards you for just playing the game, essentially.
0: <laughs> Basically little thing on this i'm not going too much into it right now but you will be hearing me talk more about levon cultists of tiamat in the near future because there is a project that i'm working on at the moment involving her so keep an ear out Mm. now things wouldn't be right if i didn't mention your lovely little friend here emma wilson refined grizzly (laughs) one in a green best grizzly Sorry. Wilson, best refined grizzly. 1 and a green (laughs) for a 2-2 legendary bear gentleman warrior. Gentleman's not actually on the card. We just assume it is. This spell can't be countered because who would ever counter Wilson? He has vigilance, reach and trample and ward 2 and choose a background. So, like to me this just reads like aura's time. Throw those auras on. Let's go.
1: You bogles this bear. You get yeah. this bear some pants.
0: Would you, would you call it Bear Gulls then?
1: Yeah, probably. It would be yeah. better than like, you know, Yogi Bear or Winnie the Pooh because they don't wear pants. And Wilson can wear pants. So therefore he is this refined. This is true.
0: Yes. Very I refined. heard it here first. <laughs> Look at this distinguished gentleman.
1: What is his little pinky's out as well. <laughs> I
0: love
1: this art so much.
0: Yeah, it is really, really cool. Yeah. It took a lot of willpower that I didn't know I had yesterday in the draft for a pre-release i was past a rules book version of mm. wilson and i was like uh i in blue white i just i have to pass this like yeah. it was there were some really good commons and uncommons in the pack still and i was like I, i'm gonna miss you wilson <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm gonna pick up a foil rule book one on uh, release day i think don't know what i'm gonna do with it but i just really like the card and the art i
0: i, th- I thought you would have been building the deck by now to be honest
1: uh, I've got Tasha to build first. I'm i I'm trying to be one of these people that finishes a commander deck and then goes to the next one. I know that's impossible, but I'm going to try.
0: Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah.
1: <laughs> Tasha is half built at the minute, so I'm getting yeah. there. Um, nice. And then you've got some really fun backgrounds just to complement any, any of the commanders that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. So um, a really good one that I liked that I saw in pre-release uh, this weekend is Inspiring Leader. So it's a legendary mm-hmm. background. The two generic and are white, and it just reads, commander creatures you own have creature tokens you control get plus two plus two which is just really good if you just want to play tokens yeah those lingering souls and raising alarms become really great with this card
0: yeah absolutely like when you start looking at some of the other commanders at uncommon that you can pair this with the background commanders and stuff like you have some really really great options Mm. and you can do them on a white tokens build one of the things that i'm not wild about with token builds apart from having to make sure that you have all the right tokens all the time which keeping track of that kind of stuff is awful for my brain but sometimes you don't draw all the right parts for the deck you know like you want to draw a bunch of like token makers but then you also want to draw an anthem so that they're actually worth something and this sort of just ignores the fact that you need anthems it's just like well it's in your command zone just put it there and it's fine you know i love that now there's another white one that i'm a fan of because look i'll just read it uh flaming fist two and a (laughs) white for legendary enchantment background uh this is one of the first sets that have legendary things are common by the way i know there were a couple of like really really old Mm. legendary creatures from like a million years ago Mm. but i think that was it i think but this has commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks it gains double strike until end of turn so again if you want to build like some voltron stuff just have this in the command zone and then just like this yeah right like Wilson with a Flaming Fist. A refined Flaming Fist.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: Yeah. Like, absolutely. 10 well, out of 10.
1: Com- well, because of Commander damage as well, it's just going to get out of hand really quickly because everyone's Easy. just on 21 life as opposed to 40. So yep. pairing Wilson with, fl- with Flaming Fist and being a monk, sure, why not?
0: <laughs> playing, playing Wilson on turn two, Flaming Fist on turn three, and then just like a couple auras, and like someone's going to die.
1: You want to put an ancestral mask on it because then it it counts for everything mm. at the table. So yeah. that's just another quick way to win because people are gonna, cause it, it goes towards other people's backgrounds as well because they're all enchantments. Yeah. Just on a side note, the next one is one that you're quite a fan of, which is Candle Keeps Age. So yeah. Candle Keeps Age is too generic blue for a background that reads Commander creatures you own have whenever this creature enters or leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. So this mm. is just really good for flicker decks, which I'm all yeah. about.
0: Yeah, the fact that it's common. It feels like it's strong enough to warrant being at least an uncommon. But I'll take it. I'm happy, you know. I'll take it. Yeah, it's really good. Thanks, Now, there's another one as well. Now, we were talking about sacrifice stuff earlier. Another sort of approach that you can take instead of using something like Mahadi, you could go with Renari, like I said earlier on, where you give the artifacts flash and that kind of thing. And then you can add this. It's Agent of the Iron Throne. So it's two and a black for another background at uncommon and it reads commander creatures you own have whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield each opponent loses one life so again you can pair this with something else to do like more traditional sacrifice or aristocrats kind of thing but you can also just do it with like artifacts say like you could just be running normal artifacts because loads of them sacrifice themselves and loads of them pay you off for sacrificing them as well like you've got um Like Acre Wellspring and that kind of thing. You've got Expedition Map. You've got all those kinds of things where you can just use your generating value to actually kill your opponents. Or, again, like you can lean hard into it as well. That works too. And having those kind of options is just really sweet to have.
1: Yeah, and speaking about Sacrifice, this next background is also really good for that kind of strategy. And that is a Street Urchin. So for one generic in a red, you get a background that reads... Combined of creatures you control have Pay one mana, one generic mana Sacrifice another creature or an artifact This creature deals one damage to any target So you've got mm-hmm. another really good sacrifice outlet You can throw those excess treasures at people Or at creatures as well Because mm-hmm. it includes artifacts If you've got any lands as well Like any of the artifact lands This also applies um, yep. Yeah, this is just a really fun Guaranteed sack outlet If you don't draw your mayhem devils Or your goblin bombardment Or anything like that
0: Yeah, Absolutely and what's great is as well, you can just put these backgrounds in the 99 of decks as well. Yes. Like they don't have to be in the command zone. You can just have it in the deck too. Yeah. And I mention this because the next one is one that I'm definitely putting into Lelia. I know it's not artisan, but like definitely putting it into Lelia because so. it's so cool. So tavern brawler, two in a red for a background. Commander creatures you own have, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. This creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is that card's mana value, and you may play that card this turn. So if you hit a land, it doesn't give any boost, but you can still play it. And it is worth noting that it doesn't work if your commander isn't out. So, you know, it's not quite outpost siege. It requires your commander to be there, but it's another great option for it, as well as the buff. There's just so much you can do with this. You can make a Voltron deck with this. You can make an exile-based deck with this. There's so many different approaches for this one card, and this applies to all the backgrounds. There's so many different ways that you can take them. Like they, they give a hint at like the primary direction you want to take it, but there are so many other options that you can sort of skew it in order to fit mm. whatever kind of weird, wonderful build you want to do. Also, That's it's nice. just
1: hilarious to think that Lady is in a tavern
0: brawl. She, she's gonna win. Like yeah, she's gonna no win. doubt there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just just a funny image in my head. Um, yeah. and then lastly, another good one if you're looking to do counters shenanigans in artisan and that is Master Chef. So if yeah. you're two generic and a green you get a background that reads Commander creatures you own have this creature enters the battlefield an additional plus one plus one counter on it and other creatures you can control enter the battlefield. Uh, and so with an additional plus one, plus one counter on them. So this is yep. just counters nonsense. And considering you mm-hmm. don't have stuff like doubling season and parallel lives legal in this, in Artisan, this is just a really nice way just to take, get some value out of your creatures.
0: Yep. And good for 100%. tokens.
1: Put counters on tokens as well. It just seems really good. For free, yep. Yep. Too, that's really cheap.
0: Isn't it? Yeah, and it's a common. So, yeah. you know... <laughs> Apparently. If act- yeah, if actually because there's also Pauper EDH. Like, this could fit in there as well. Um, Really sweet. So this is just a quick little run-through of all of the different things that are available in one set alone. Now, granted, this is a very good set for Commander in general, so, you know, it's giving us a little bit more than we normally would. But as far as Artisan goes, it is so much more powerful, so much more deep, and so much more interesting and exciting that people think. It's only when they start seeing gameplay or when they start actually looking at the cards that are in the format, that you start seeing like, God, this is actually really good. Because I know a lot of people in general for Commander were looking at so many of the cards that we've listed out here, being yeah. like, this is brilliant. I want to build around this. I want to do that. Maybe try make it artisan. You know? Yeah.
1: I admit I'm tempted to do artisan because as I mentioned earlier, I have a peasant cube. So I have a lot of the staples already. I just have a load of commons, non-commons due to pauper. So this just seems mm-hmm. easy. I could probably build a deck like in the next hour. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, Emma, Wilson and Flaming Fist are right there. <laughs> they are indeed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to stop annoying you to build the deck now. Let's move on to <laughs> some Q&A. What have we got to round out the episode?
1: Yep, so we'll kick off with uh, the Joe Chady, who's got a few questions for us. So, mm-hmm. Firstly, where do you rank the Battle for Baldur's Gate Showcase Lightning Bolt on the hierarchy of lightning bolts? Hmm... I think it's really nice. I think my only criticism yeah. is the art looks a little bit like Liliana, accidentally.
0: See, I don't actually see that myself. Um, I think it's
1: the headdress. But, but I, I think the art's great. I'm probably going to pick some up for Pauper because I do like the rule book frames.
0: So here's the thing: I do love the rule book frames. I really, really love them. But. I think the regular lightning bolt that's actually in the set normally where it shows like that sort of long walkway and like someone is like conjuring a bolt out of their hand and it's just shooting along the whole length of it. That is so much more evocative of what lightning bolt feels like to me. And that art is just so cool that I personally put that way higher, which is hard because like the showcase one looks beautiful and it's so striking. But the other bolt art just really does it for me. I like yeah. I put that one personally up like very high on the on the tiers. Now the showcase one's still quite high, but
1: yeah, yeah it's pretty good. And then Joe also says, "What's the most valuable pauper reprint from Battles for Baldur's Gate?" He says it's a toss up between Bolt, Deadly Dispute or Nature's Law. I think for me, it's just Deadly Dispute because that card was like $4 or $5 each and it needed a reprint.
0: 100%. To me, the most valuable popper reprints in any set, full stop, are the ones that help make cards get closer to being like 10 or $0.20 because they're commons. Come on. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm begging for dust dust reprints. I don't want to spend like $25, $30 for a playset of a card that I have to play at the moment. Yeah, so frustrating like Relic of Progenitors is another one actually
0: oh god yeah I had to pick up one for as an Urza Saga target for Modern Affinity and I was like this is like 7 euros like what is going on <sighs>
1: it's crazy it's gross mm-hmm. uh, we've got a question from Ev the Mage that is Artisan related oh so, so they say my, at my first pre-release this weekend it's inspired me to build an Artisan EDH deck Nice. Upon further inspection, it seems stuff like crop rotation, silver scrying, wasteland, strip miner, all legal in artisan. And that li- makes him wonder, can he build like a, a Golgari lands deck or is there any fun tech he can incorporate into that kind of strategy? So that sounds pretty fun, but also really gross. Yes.
0: Sometimes. So very interestingly, I think I have something for you on that, actually, Ev. So give me one second. So yes, when I was playing in the pre-release yesterday, one of my opponents was playing a Golgari sort of self-milled, sacrificey kind of thing, right? <clears throat> and the commander that they had was Erinus Gloomstalker, which is two and a green for a 3-3 three, three Halfling Ranger with Death Touch. And whenever they attack, you return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So they already have Death Touch, so people aren't really going to want to block it anyway. So that's a good start. And that's, you know, with the likes of crop rotation and that kind of thing and stacking your own lands and all sorts of stuff, that's really good to have. And they paired it with Scion of Halaster, Mm. which is one in a black background. Commander creatures you own have the first time you would draw a card each turn. Instead, look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them in the graveyard and one on top of your library and then draw a card. So what they did was they basically binned a land every turn, drew the other card, played a card from their hand or whatever attacked, got the land back. I was like, this is such good value. Nice engine. Yeah. So, coincidentally, I accidentally went up against that yesterday, and it happens to probably be the perfect combination for you. So, there yeah. you go. <laughs> there
1: you go, sorted. <laughs> um, then we have a question from Mickey. So, they say, I can only imagine how much time you both take to put into this game, and it shows with the amount of fun with the decks that you build. Thank you. What have you two done to become the deck builders that you are now? Like, is there any, like, Anything you've read, any anything you've watched, any like light bulb moments that make you think, yeah, I'm good at this, or is it just through practice and just repetition? Ugh. I think that's what it is for me, just doing it repeatedly, you just kind of get a knack for it.
0: So yes, it's, it's kind of weird because for me, I've a tendency to go very, very hard into things. Like within two years of me starting playing, I was much better than. Most people would have been at that point because I just got obsessed with the game and I just wanted everything to do with it all the time. So I just spent a disproportionately ridiculous amount of time playing magic and stuff. So that's kind of where a lot of it came from. But when it comes to deck building specifically, I always set myself regular challenges where I put like a ridiculous restriction on myself. Not necessarily always ridiculous, but it's definitely something that other people aren't doing. Like, for example, build a commander deck that's under $30 or build a, I don't know, build a mid-range deck in modern for under 100 or, you know, it's not always necessarily budget related, but it helps because you have to go looking for other interesting and cool cards. So it kind of exposes you to an awful lot more stuff. And that tends to be where I find my weird and interesting cards And then at that point, it's just trying to find cross-referencing like where this card might be useful elsewhere. But another thing that I think is really, really critical, and I don't think enough people take this on board, you need to have experience from other people as well. Like other deck builders, other people that play, the way that they look at the game or the deck build or whatever is always going to be different to yours. And a lot of the time it's going to be better at first, but other people that have been playing for longer or building for longer or whichever they are fantastic to learn from. So I would suggest going and looking for other deck builders in particular that have like cool builds and brews and stuff that they have done. One in particular for me is Stephanie on Twitter at quad nines mm. and commander mechanic as well. Chris, commander both Mechanics very, also. very good deck builders. I highly recommend checking them out on Twitter. Super, super cool. Cool. But yeah. yeah, that's basically the the main thing for me is like expose yourself to as many different people's builds and brews and stuff and just really immerse yourself in it.
1: Also just get feedback. I think yes. that's, a, that's an important thing. Like you can theory craft something to death and go, this looks good. Like mm-hmm. on paper, it looks great. But what happens if, you know, I play it? Is it going to play out the same way as I think it will? If you're unsure mm. on it, just ask somebody, just... a friend or someone that you're playing with at FNM just like hey what do you think of this brew what do you think of this commander deck what am I missing because feedback's really important it just allows you to fill in those gaps and just get a better idea of is this good or not and I think people are afraid of criticism at times so they're a little bit reluctant to do that but it's not criticism's not necessarily a bad thing I don't think I love getting feedback I love knowing what I can do better and what I can improve on because that's how I got to where I am now without yeah by asking these questions
0: let me tell you now that there are so many times even now where people are like you forgot about this card or what about this and i'm looking mm. at it and i'm like how did i forget that like mm. stupid things you know like stupid stupid things and if i was stuck on my own ass like i'd be like well i'm not going to take that on board or i'm going to ignore it or i'm going to come up with some stupid reason to like say why i didn't do it but i'm just like yeah, it's a good shout. Don't i'll go update it you know i'll learn from that
1: recommendation
0: that was a cool angle that you looked at or whatever because yeah. it's just another opportunity to learn you know yeah now admittedly sometimes people come along and be like god you're such an idiot you forgot this i'd be like cool i guess i'm just gonna block you mr twitter idiot I, but like I aside so- of that yeah <laughs> yeah
1: i'm gonna reply with the block button goodbye <laughs> and then lastly we have a question from Saber, and they asked i think you mentioned earlier um any chance of risky keep stream vods appearing on youtube at some point
0: yes absolutely in fact as we record the very first episode is uploading so huzzah <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Drink Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trev 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the stocks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett brogan nerblin mickey paris scott creech seamus mc simon grip jamie coyle and clyde anderson thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air we can't thank you enough if you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.